all that to say, the reality is presidents generally get too much credit when the economy does well and too much blame when it slumps. The boom and bust cycles that are inherent in capitalist economies depend on forces that are independent of any president's actions, even though they get to wear this hat. Welcome to the United She Stands podcast, the show that brings kindness and women into politics. I'm Ashley. And I'm Sarah. And we're two Midwestern women from Ohio who have a passion for kindness, lifting others up, and making a difference. Our experience in corporate America has taught us both to build and navigate all kinds of relationships and lead groups of people. When it comes to politics, however, there is nothing official about us. We're just two gals who want to be better educated on the U.S. government and learn how we, as women, can make an impact together. Each episode, we will bring our listeners along on our own educational journey. And we'll also share real-life experiences from women involved and impacted by politics. And we'll try to make it as fun as possible. We're so glad you're here for the ride. Welcome back to the United She Stands podcast. Some of you may remember that last fall, we released an episode that outlines the legislative branch. We weren't just going to leave you all high and dry and just leave you with an overview of that branch specifically. So today we are going to be covering the executive branch. But of course, before we get any further, let's first talk about what we're drinking. I am drinking and I was actually just talking to Ashley about this. There's like a bunch of different words on this beer can. So I'm not sure exactly which one's the actual name. So I'm just going to read all of them. Uh, Polar Brewing's Outside Bozeman Adventure Brew Mountain IPA. Um, It's really good. I gave it a four on Untapped. What are you drinking, Ashley? It is December when we're recording this, but so I'm drinking Christmas ale. But let's be clear. I think this is dropping in February. If there was still Christmas ale in Ashley's beer fridge, she would definitely be drinking it in February. I would. So I'm drinking a Great Lakes Christmas ale, which I told Sarah in my mind is like the Christmas ale. If you're not from Ohio, you probably don't understand. But if you are, Great Lakes Christmas Ale is what I'm drinking. And I I don't know. I don't even remember what I normally rate it on Untouched. I'd say like a 425. It's a solid Christmas ale. With a cinnamon sugar rim. With a rim, of course, yeah. (laughs) All right, great. And then also before we start, we'll quickly cover what we knew before researching for this episode. So, I mean, I knew that this branch consisted of the president. And uh, yeah, that's... That's really it. And to my surprise, there's a ton that actually goes or falls under this branch of government. What about you, Ash? Yeah, I mean, similar. I knew like, you know, the executive branch executes the law or right, like for the legislative branch. But yeah, the president was involved. And then I think just because we did the legislative branch overview, I knew that the governor was like your state president kind of in those terms. So yeah, not much, but definitely we'll learn a lot from this episode. So with that, let's jump into the content for today. So the main goal of the executive branch is to make sure federal laws are enforced. And we were correct. The president leads this branch. Yay, us. We're so smart. (laughs) If you guys knew the president leads this branch, you're in good company. (laughs) You're super smart, too. (laughs) Okay, so who can become president? Well, as Sarah wrote down in our notes for this episode, LOL, almost anyone, (laughs) as we've seen in previous years. But you don't need a college degree. You don't need past experience. And that's not just the presidency. That's politics in general. And you can even technically be a convicted felon. Well, great. Those are all technicalities. But really, what are the requirements to become president? There are three. The first is that you must be 35 years or older when you take office. 
So technically you could be 34 while you're campaigning, but by the time you take office, which happens in January after an election, you have to be 35. The second requirement is you must have lived in the United States for at least 14 years. And the third requirement, and this is straight from the Constitution, quote, no person except a natural born citizen or a citizen of the U.S. at the time of the adoption of this Constitution shall be eligible to the office of president, unquote. So those are the requirements. But let's talk about what really happens today. Today, typically, the people who run and ultimately become president are the people with money and power and are the people that are well-connected. The classic case of it's all about who you know. Even though some of our past presidents didn't have much wealth before campaigning for the role, they ultimately had to raise money somehow. And that involves getting connected with really wealthy people. So what does this wealthy, powerful, well-connected, and probably white male get to do when they become president? The exact job description of the president is outlined in Article 2 of the Constitution, but we're here to give you the information you need to fully understand the executive branch without having to read some boring old documents. So the president wears many hats on a daily basis, and we'll walk through each one briefly. The first one, the chief executive. The chief executive has the duty and power to enforce federal laws. That sounds very buzzwordy and whatnot. So breaking that down a bit, duty, meaning the president must respect and follow laws that are passed by Congress, which is the legislative branch, and ensure these laws are followed by themselves and their agencies. And we'll get into some examples of agencies later. Power, meaning the president and their agencies have some wiggle room when it comes to enforcing laws that they think are unconstitutional. So this hat of the president's role makes them responsible for appointments of the agencies and bodies that make up the executive branch. So some examples, the cabinet, ambassadors, agency heads, committee heads, U.S. attorneys, and Supreme Court judges. As we learned in the legislative branch episode, each of these appointments must be approved by the Senate. So this is kind of crazy, but the executive branch has over 4 million employees. I feel like that's a ton of people. So that includes anyone that works for any of the agencies or bodies that we just mentioned. Um, So they are considered employees of the executive branch. That is a lot of people. 4 million. 4 million. Wow. So the second hat our president wears is as our commander-in-chief. The president is the commander-in-chief of the Army, Navy, Air Force, and any state militias. So with that said, remember that the president cannot declare war. That's a power that belongs to Congress. So what type of power does this give the president as commander-in-chief? What they can do includes command troops and order operations in times of war, launch a nuclear strike, appoint, promote, and fire military officers, deploy troops inside the country to control domestic unrest, repel attacks against the United States, order retaliatory invasions and attacks, and make changes in military policy. Like I said, the president can't officially declare war. Only Congress can do that. And since we know you all listen to our legislative branch episode, we also all know that the last time Congress declared war was during World War II. So the quote-unquote wars with Korea, Vietnam, Iraq, Afghanistan, etc., was really just the president acting on something called police action, which is basically committing troops and engaging in warlike behavior without explicitly calling it war. The third hat the president wears is the chief of state. So this is really an unofficial role of the president. You won't find it really in the Constitution, but it's basically meaning that the president is the poster child for the United States of America. 
He is our country symbol. Hopefully we can say she is our country symbol one day. Hopefully. Hopefully. (laughs) Um, In other countries, the head of state, like the king or queen of Britain, for example, they act as the symbols while others actually run the government. But here in America, the president does both. So this part of the role, the chief of state, is often viewed as the more fun part of the job of being the president. So some of these responsibilities include awarding the Presidential Medal of Freedom, welcoming foreign dignitaries to the country, throwing the first pitch of the baseball season, and, um, really fun, planning their own funeral in the first week of office. Doesn't that sound lovely and lighthearted? God, that's, like, so morbid, honestly. (laughs) Like, seriously, hey, welcome to the job. Here's your first task. What kind of flowers do you want? (laughs) Yeah, it's seriously actually awful. Moving on. The fourth hat the president wears is the chief of party. So this gives the president the power to appoint, fire, replace, etc., the chair of their party's national committee. So just to give the example, President Biden would be the chair of the Democratic Party today. So you can imagine the chair of the national committee often gives the president what they want, considering they're in control of their role. Now we say often. This isn't always the case. Sometimes when presidents aren't well like socially, we don't see this happen. For example, Jimmy Carter didn't have great relationships within politics and within with policymakers. Even though his party controlled the House and the Senate, Carter had issues getting his policies approved through both chambers of Congress during his presidency. The president is also the chief diplomat. This part of the president's role involves them hosting other diplomats and flying to meet with other diplomats all around the world to set foreign policy. And foreign policy is basically just a fancy way of saying a government strategy in dealing with other nations. Some of this foreign policy talk can lead to a treaty, which then, of course, needs to be voted on by the Senate and get approved by two-thirds of the chamber. Treaties can be about peace, trade, immigration, human rights, the environment, etc. And they're really powerful. We ended the American Revolution with the Treaty of Paris of 1783. We can call Alaska a state in our country thanks to a treaty that bought the state from Russia. The president can also make executive agreements with other countries, and these aren't really much different from treaties, but they don't need permission from Congress. So the president can literally let Congress know after an executive agreement has been made, which I think is pretty sketch. But I mean, I guess that's the power of the president. Hey, guys, I did this executive agreement. Right. Just so you know, last week, by the way, this happened. Yeah. Nice. All right, so hat number six is another unofficial role, and that is the guardian of the economy. The state of the economy is often attributed back to the president and can directly affect the possibility of re-election. While the president does appoint the chair of the Federal Reserve and proposes a budget to Congress, they do not necessarily have a hands-on impact on the economy. Although with these roles that they get to appoint, they have the ability to nudge the economy in either direction. But all that to say, the reality is presidents generally get too much credit when the economy does well and too much blame when it slumps. The boom and bust cycles that are inherent in capitalist economies depend on forces that are independent of any president's actions, even though they get to wear this hat. The last hat of being the president is the legislative chaperone. So this portion of the role encompasses the actual lawmaking piece. We know the president can sign a bill into law leave it on their desk for it to eventually become law after 10 days of not signing it, or can veto it and send it back to Congress for revisions. But the president also has a power called executive order. Through these executive orders, they can tell an executive agency what to do. 
So the Emancipation Proclamation of 1863, which freed slaves in rebellious states, was actually an executive order. And the integration of segregated military in 1948 was done through an executive order. So great change can definitely be made through these executive orders. Lastly, there are some other miscellaneous roles that didn't fit into the seven titles that we just discussed. So some of these include declare a state of emergency or federal disaster area, convene and adjourn Congress in the state of an emergency, and grant pardons and reprieves for people convicted of federal crimes. Woo! The role of the president. The role of the pres. So, now that we talked about the role of the president, what about the others in the executive branch? Let's dive into the role of the vice president first. They are the president of the Senate. Fun fact here. This is actually a fun fact. Actually a fun fact oh this my time. Gosh. <laughs> the Constitution does not outline what the president of the Senate is supposed to do. So the Senate came up with the responsibilities. The vice president sits in on Senate proceedings and can vote in the case of a tie. They can become the president of the United States if the president dies, quits, or is removed from office. This has happened a total of eight times in the United States history. Eight times. That's actually a lot. That is kind of a lot. That's honestly, actually a lot. Wow. We um, should we should have eight different episodes, a deep dive into each situation. Each yeah. Oh, my so God. Cool. Yeah. Right. Let us know if you guys want that. <laughs> okay. Lastly, the president and vice president didn't always campaign together. The vice president used to be the runner up in the presidential election. Can you imagine that in today's world? That'd be crazy. <laughs> I can't. It would be an absolute like dumpster fire. Like fist fighting in the Oval Office. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. But this changed with the 12th Amendment in 1804. All right. Now on to the executive office of the president and the cabinet. So the executive office of the president, which is also called the EOP, can be organized however the president wants. And it's led by the White House Chief of Staff. The agencies and organizations in this office support the work that the president tries to accomplish in their term. So some of these agencies and organizations include the White House office, and this consists of all the people on the West Wing of the White House and everyone who works for the president. The National Security Council, so they advise the president on national security. The Council of Economic Advisors, they advise the president on economic policy. The Council on Environmental Quality helps coordinate environmental efforts. The Office of Management and Budget, the largest agency in the EOP, they create the president's budget and ensures programs and policies are following it. And then the Office of National Drug Control Policy, so they coordinate national and international anti-drug efforts. And then the Cabinet... The cabinet actually includes 15 different departments. And actually, I want to take a second here and talk about the name the cabinet because I feel like it's funny. It just reminds me of how I also think chamber for like Senate and House of Representatives, like uh, chamber cabinet. I don't know. Government's just funny. I don't understand. Wait, can you tell me what you picture when you picture the cabinet? The actual kitchen cabinet. I was going to ask you. Yeah, yeah. Like I am opening up to get a plate. Like, and there's just our fifteen departments sitting in there, <laughs> perfectly on a shelf. Like I just don't understand. And like, uh, then of course you have to capitalize the C in cabinet. I'm just like, why is this? <laughs> just like it's so weird. All right, but like I said, the cabinet includes fifteen different departments. I won't go through all of them, but some of them include the Department of State. You so need to watch Madam Secretary. Oh, I know Department of State. I really do. I've heard, I mean, Ashley's been like 
down my neck about it ever it's down my neck is that a phrase i don't know it's like the one thing i've watched that sarah hasn't so i have to talk about it uh, i think actually the only show ashley has ever watched because she's never watched anything else gilmore girls we talked about it okay yeah gilmore girls and madam secretary that's ashley's personality yeah. um <laughs> and taylor swift, <laughs> taylor swift. That's, and beer that's all yeah, you need to know about all, ashley yeah that's pretty much it I'm, I'm, it's really easy the end <laughs> So the Department of State is ran by the Secretary of State, which I'm assuming is Madam Secretary, um, and is in charge of foreign affairs and policy. The Department of the Treasury, this is ran by the Secretary of the Treasury and is in charge of the U.S. financial security. The Department of Defense, ran by the Secretary of Defense, and they're responsible for deterring and winning wars and protecting the U.S. and our allies with our Army, Navy, Air Force, and Coast Guard. The Department of Justice, this is ran by the Attorney General, and they handle all criminal prosecutions and civil suits that involve the U.S. And then our last example here, Homeland Security. This is ran by the Secretary of Homeland Security and is in charge of TSA, which is, I never knew this, but it stands for Transportation Security Administration, ICE, which stands for Immigration and Customs Enforcement, the Secret Service, etc., This department was established 11 days after 9-11 and was made official by the Homeland Security Act of 2002. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, right? So did TSA not exist? I I mean, I'm sure there was... Or the Secret Service? Like, that doesn't... I mean... They were probably different. They, yeah, they probably fell under a different department. Yeah, but I'm yeah, I'm not sure like the history of TSA. That'd be another cool episode. Look at us okay. Put that brainstorming. <laughs> All right. Let's try to summarize this whole episode in a few sentences, shall we? The executive branch is responsible for enforcing federal law and is led by the President of the United States. The President has many titles, including, but not limited to, the Chief Executive, the Commander-in-Chief, and Chief Diplomat. The branch also includes the Vice President, the Executive Office of the President, or the EOP for short, and the Cabinet. So who knew there was so much to the executive branch? High five if you did, but high five if you didn't, because now you know, thanks to this episode. Yeah, and we'll just wrap with saying, as usual, our sources will be in the show notes. We've used a couple different ones for this episode. And lastly, we did not dive into anything state. So we kind of touched on it at the beginning. Your governor is like your president of your state, but definitely look into your state executive branch if you want to learn more. Great call. Peace out, folks. (laughs) But uh, but I pretty, that's all, folks. (laughs) thanks for joining us for today's episode we appreciate you more than you know if you appreciate us and our show please hit the follow button and share this episode with anyone you think would enjoy it you can also give us a follow on instagram to stay in the know on all things united she stands the link is in the show notes we'll see you next time and remember we We can can make make a difference in this world. world Go. Okay. Wait, wait, don't go. I'm gonna oh move my, my, my God, shit around. I'm so ready. Shall be eligible to the. Fuck, I'm so close. You're so close. Ugh. It's okay. I like looked Indeed. up to see if my <laughs> shit was like working because I was like, I changed my mic. Yeah. And then I, I got lost in what I was thinking and doing. And I was like, okay. I, I changed this and I, it's not good. <laughs> but here in a meta. Whoa. <laughs> a meta. A meta America. <laughs> While the president does appoint the chair of the Federal Reserve and propose... Motherfucker. I'm sorry, I feel like I'm out of breath. (laughs) I don't know why.